Good morning, NCLA. How are you all doing? All right, all right. And to you who are uh, catching us online, Karibuni Sana. Uh, if you do not know me, my name is Go Wiodera, one of the pastors here at NCLA, Nairobi Chapel, Langata. We meet here every Sunday uh, from 10 o'clock, and uh, you are most welcome. I tell a friend to tell a friend, and I want to continue to encourage you uh, who are here. Uh, that the seat that is empty near you is your responsibility. You win people over with your love and you invite them to church. We've been going through the book of Matthew chapter 13. So we did that the first week, the second week, and this is week three of what we're doing. Week number one, we talked about the seed. Matthew chapter 13 is about, it's a, we're talking about parables and why God, why Christ used the parable of the seed to emphasize some truth about the kingdom of God. We first heard that every seed is a potential harvest. Every seed is a potential harvest or in every seed there's a potential forest. Understood? Okay? And then secondly, for this seed to reach its potential, to reach its fullness, it has to die. For it to germinate, it has to die. And that is the call for us about the kingdom of God. We need to die to self. Number two, last week, we talked about the perils that this seed goes through. Remember the agriculture class that I, I taught you guys to, a biology class that I taught you guys, you know, there's the seedling stage, okay? The germinating stage, then there's a seedling to the plant stage, and then there's a flowering and fruiting stage. Stage number two, that's the seedling stage and the growing stage. We talked about that we are susceptible and prone to attack and challenges. We call that the perils of the seed. And the seed, which is the word of God, is in a sinful world. And we talked about what the, the world does. The world is inimical to the word of God. We also recognize that there is the accuser, the Satan, who also works against the growth of the word of God. And lastly, our own sinful state. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We actually, left to ourselves, would self-destruct. We actually blame others more than accept culpability and responsibility of our state. We are sinful. And those all work against the growth of the word of God in us. And we said the remedy and the antidote and the tool to be able to help us is the armor of God. And we kind of broke it down uh, a bit more. When we have the opportunity uh, to go through the book of Ephesians chapter 6 from verse uh, 12 to 18, uh, one of these days, the Lord willing, will explain much more about what spiritual warfare is about. And that actually is spiritual warfare in itself. Today I want us to, to continue um, and uh, the, the, the verse that I'd like us to go on is chapter 1 uh, of ch Matthew chapter nine, uh, 13, uh, chapter one, verse 1 of Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 of Matthew chapter 13. We read this last week, uh, I'd like to, us to continue and then we'll skip to verse 18. Are we there? To Kuapo Matthew 13, I'll read. That same day, Jesus went out to the house and sat by the lake. 
Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. He was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, an unusual thing happens there on after in Matthew 13. Rarely did Jesus go on to explain a parable. But for this one, he did a sidebar with his audience, his disciples. And in verse 18 goes on to say, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Like a tuk-tuk going up valley road. A lot of noise, not much movement. Some of you will get that later. But since they have no root, I said, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of, of, of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. It is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Today, we're going to camp at the final stage of the plant, that fruiting and flowering stage. This is the stage of the plant, <clears throat> excuse me, when it's at its peak. This is where we see the plant reproducing itself, perpetuating its, its growth cycle, perpetuating itself to improve its progeny. The plant will have to take on all its experiences and adapt into its envi environment, embedding this into its own DNA and passing it on to the next generation. The potential of the plant is in its fruit. And to repeat, the potential of the plant in it is, is in its fruit. Note that word, okay? The potential. I, I didn't hear you. Aha. Uh -huh. In this parable, Jesus is explaining to his disciples how um, how, how you can become more fruitful, verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop and yields um, 160 and 30 times. Um, uh, but if you, if you just put up that uh, ka, ka, ka thing up on, so that we can see. Now, on this diagram, I'm trying to be um, like a lecturer, professor in the university. Um, okay, if we just put up that diagram, no pressure, diagram coming up in three, two, one, point five, 
activates when you hear it okay when it's heard and then from there from hearing that word we begin to understand it and once we understand it there it brings about fruit tuko pamoja can we get that have you got it have you got it let me go on uh-huh uh-huh there <laughs> man You're the man, man. One sweet. I'll give you a sweet for that, okay? Once again, there is the word of God. Remember the life cycle of, a, of an insect? Okay, in biology. Remember that, yeah? The life cycle of a... I'm feeling very, very happy today that I'm being scientific, all right? So I try to explain this to us. If you read the explanation, okay, uh, from verse 19... Okay if you read the explanation sorry for verse 18 through 23 this is what Jesus was just trying to say what happens to the word the word starts there you hear the word you understand it and then you bear fruit and from there you continue to hear the word it is a perpetual cycle let's start with hearing the word of god the term here here see what i did there the term here here has three meanings okay the first is when you have an your auditory senses are stimulated the physical thing and even right now apart from the sound of my voice there are other things in and around us that we are hearing okay some of them are different decibel levels different wavelengths but we are hearing them our things but so we are we are, we whereas they're making sound some of us cannot necessarily perceive them and we continue to do that we can hear a little child you know um responding he's just saying amen to my he's the only one responding to my sermon the rest of you are just quiet <laughs> all this hearing can be measured okay they can be measured in decibel levels You see I was awake in physics class. There are times you may be doing something with music playing in the background or something someone is talking in the background but you're not listening to them you're actually tuned out or tuned off. This hearing is the one that now engages your mind. So there was that auditory one but then there's one that engages your mind, okay? You could literally be in your For those of you who like using music while you're working it's right in the background you're not even listening to the lyrics okay or to the music but you're working all right you've tuned out so you're not it's not necessarily engaging your mind until you choose to do it all right like the sound in the background you can just tune out from what i'm saying don't don't tune out don't tune out and just listen to the traffic on the road next to us it's not that you are not listening to it but now you're engaging your mind to it Okay? But then there's also another kind of hearing, the third hearing, which is also at play. This one works in another realm. It, it, it cannot be physically measured, but it interplays both with your auditory senses, your mind, 
your intellect, your emotions, and with your heart. This is spiritual hearing. This, I suggest, is the seat and happens at the seat of your being, your essence. This is what influences your decisions, your choices. This is what shapes your worldview. Matthew chapter 13 verse 9 says, whoever has ears, let them hear. This is what and what Jesus was calling us to engage with. So I want to suggest to you, there are always at least four voices at play at the realm of hearing. And it's imperative we distinguish this. There are four voices at play with you right now. Four of them. There is the voice of the enemy, number one. Right, you can put this up. Eh? The voice of the enemy. This is one, this is the, the tricky one. It masquerades itself as a master of disguise. It's a master of disguise. I mean, leave alone being a chameleon. This, it, it, we, we sometimes don't see. It. it comes across, scripture says, as an angel of light. But its intent is to mess you up. To steal, to kill, and eventually to destroy you. That is the first voice that is at play even right now. The second voice that is at play inside you right now is the voice of others. These voices are what interacts with you all the time. <clears throat> and over time, there could be voices that historically happened that are currently happening and may be happening in the future. But these voices continue to speak to you, at you. It could be something your teacher said. Like for me, my chemistry teacher, who was also my class teacher, okay, in Form 3 told me, Odera, you will never amount to anything in life. That voice, I may allow it to continue to speak to me. If I saw the guy now, it's like, look at me now, huh? Who's laughing now? Anyway, but there are many, okay? And we choose what or who to listen to. It could be your friends, could be your spouse, it could be your boss, it could be family members, it could be the media, different forms of media, social media for many of you. These are voices that are always at play. I don't have how many likes. Oh, I put these views and somebody has said that and you're like, I can go on and go on on how we respond to social media. But in essence, those are voices that are always at play. This is yes and this is no. We're tracking, okay? A third voice that is going on is your voice. This, it, it is at play when you're awake and when you're asleep. It's always talking to you. This voice will never stop talking. As long as you're alive and conscious, you will be aware of it. It is always at play. Even now as I'm talking to you, it's talking. Remember last week I alluded to it. Your voice could be telling you right now, did you turn off that iron or not? After this, where are we going? Am I going to cook? Do we have food in the fridge? I'm at chips, Leo. Unajua your voice? It's always talking. 
It reasons here or there, but it's always talking. And then there is the voice of God. It is described as a still, small voice. This voice is gentle. This voice is gracious. It does not bully, but has a subtle assertiveness because its substance is truth and truth alone. Some say God speaks through dreams, visions, word of knowledge, etc., that can be debated. However, I can most authoritatively say that, and you can take this to any bank, that the most unsured, guaranteed way of hearing the voice of God is through the Bible. Period. Not a word from your man of God, woman of God, the Bible. It is truth. It is God-inspired, Timothy is told by Paul, and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the person of God is thoroughly equipped for every good work. Nothing more, nothing less. It is necessary that we are able to figure out what we hear and who we choose to listen to. To hear God's word is wisdom, my friends. In the parable, the function of hearing the word of God is with the intent of engaging the seat of your being, which is your soul. When you listen to God's word, we need to regularly read God's word and hear the voice of God. It is this posture of your heart that is key to you continuing that cycle to bearing fruit and transformation. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word, the word about Christ. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. The next stage is understanding. The next stage is understanding. I find it a little complex to explain this term understanding without being complex. So just bear with me here. I think Jesus here was alluding to the fact that it is when one hears the word of God and uses it as a mirror over their lives and sees what needs to be fixed and to get work done. When we go to the mirror, what are we looking for? Okay? When we're looking at the mirror, what are we looking for? We're looking at, are we presentable? Are you okay with how you look to go out? And the mirror tells you, nah, maybe you need to comb your hair, maybe you need to brush them, maybe, maybe you work a kidogo vastly, parara kidogo, whatever it is. Sindio, all right? That's what the word of God does to you. That's what understanding is, that you hold your life to the plumb line of scripture. In other words, does scripture reflect who I am? When you're reading the Bible, you need to ask, is this who I am? Understanding engages the mind and the intellect more than anything else. These things of my feelings, I'm not sure that's what Jesus was talking about. I feel, I sense. No, this is for real. Our capacity to know God comes from our rationalizing the truth of his word. It is important we are intellectually engaging the evidence scripture presents to you 
Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's here. You need to do it. You need to ask questions, serious questions about what scripture is saying and your life. I suggest that this knowledge of the Holy One involves in engaging your intellect to rationally connect with the truth of God's word with our present reality. I cannot say I am a loving father on my own. It is, exists, it can't exist in a vacuum. I need to look at what scripture says about fatherhood. Ask those who are near us. Ask the children themselves. Am I a good father? Fathers in the house? Hallelujah. Amen, fathers. Even Jesus acknowledges that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart and mind, strength, and soul. I emphasize their mind. We have to think and engage at, the, at that level to fully appreciate the truth presented to us. We have to really answer, is this word of God truth? Is it really truth for us? And if it is, what is it saying? What is the constant? And am I constant with this? Proverbs 3.13 says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. Have hit, that is what is most important. Let me give you an example. I've hit the fifth floor. I'm 50 years old now. 50 years old, Nakitu. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I see that. I see that. When you turn 50, you'll also want to look like me. God bless you. It's only Jesus. So, at this age, the human body does not metabolize and consume as fast as it used to. That's a fact. Things are slowing down in me. I'm aging. <laughs> so I can't eat like I used to eat 20, 25 years ago. Okay, I can't. So I have to, I have to watch my intention. As my doctor says, I need to lose 10 kg. That's my intention, to lose 10 kg. Note, it's my intention. So I have to eat healthy. These good intentions must be accompanied by action. I have to watch what I eat. Keep my energy levels high by exercising. Being physically active. Nothing is going to change if I don't act on that intention of losing 10 kgs. I also have to have a goal. You can want to lose 10 kgs in three years. <laughs> or want to lose it in a, a couple of... So I want to lose it by the end of this year, in six months, to lose that 10 kgs and keep it off. So it's work in progress. I actually had that intention last year. <laughs> when I turned 50 in November. Oh, by the way, my birthday is November 4th. Just giving you notice. Okay, November 4th. 
All right? You have ample time. Five months notice. I, I appreciate gifts of any kind. Hallelujah. God bless you. Hallelujah. Okay. So we need to act on it. I need to work on it. There's that thing of losing weight and then losing weight. I need to be the second one. Keep it off. So I have to act on it. Colossians 2 verse 2 says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Notice Paul has already put a reality there. This is the goal. So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. It's the same with the word of God. Once you hear it, once you know, get yourself a goal. And tell God, this is my goal. I want to grow in love. I want to understand love. Oh, by the way, when you pray those prayers, those are dangerous prayers. Because God is going to bring unlovable people around you. If you ask God, I want to grow in patience, trust me, there are going to be many circumstances. that He doesn't just make you patient. God, I want to grow in humility. Owie. Okay? There will be many of those circumstances that God will test you time and time again to bring that. Because God wants you to bear fruit. I have called that you should bear fruit. We read that in John chapter 15. And the last one is fruit. This is the last stage as we go on. So we have heard the word of God, heard it, understood it, so that we can bear. We can bear. Once again, we can bear fruit. If there, is, if there is an end game to this faith journey with Christ, it is this fruit. In your spare time, homework, homework, just like your ch children are given, just read John chapter 15. If you, you're those A students, those ones who say, teacher, you didn't give us homework, I hated those kids, okay? But anyway, if you're those ones, start from chapter 13. It's the conversation in the upper room just before Jesus died. That conversation starts, I think, in chapter 13. So you'll be able to understand what, what Jesus is saying in chapter 15. But those of you who like doing the bare minimum like me, who was in school, just read chapter 15. Just go. That's homework for you. So you'd understand why this was most important. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you cannot do jack strap. Nothing. And I have called you so that you may bear fruit. He goes on saying much fruit. And later in that chapter, he says fruit that will last. So that's the end game. Let us put this in context. Jesus was addressing a massive crowd in Matthew chapter 13 that had followed him and his audience. They were very familiar with this farming parlance, this farming analogy of the seed. You would expect that that a seed that is planted in good soil finds roots would all equally in all things held constant would produce fruit. Sindio. Okay? Yet this story Jesus distinguishes the degree of fruitfulness in descending order. A hundred, sixty or thirty. Now why he did that do you know what the secret is? Do you know why he did that? Do you know why Jesus did that? He went from 160 to 30. Do, does anyone know? I don't know either. I was just checking for anyone if you know. Okay? But I'll not dwell in this, on this. Eh? What Jesus was specifically communicating to his audience was that the process of hearing the word of God 
And understanding it, that is applying the word of God, as we have explained, uh, were part and part, part and parcel of the progression of bearing fruit. There is some progressive way of bearing fruit. To another mammoth crowd, a huge crowd that Jesus was speaking to in chapter 7, that's the sermon on the mount, he said in Matthew 7, 20, you shall know them by their fruit. Now to emphasize this progression thing, let me read to you an article from Running Magazine. You can see, I have intentions of losing that 10 kilos. So you read from some magazine. Running Magazine, it started in September. September of 2021, September 29th. I quote, On Sunday, at the Quad Cities Marathon in Moline, Illinois, USA, two runners who were minutes ahead of the eventual winner, Tyler Pence, were disqualified after being diverted off the course late in the race by volunteers. Elijah Mwagangi Saolo and Luke Kibet, no relation to our Pastor Kibet, of Kenya, were far in front of Pence, but both were directed the wrong way by the lead bicycle who led the runners straight when they should have turned. The race director explained the mistake to Saolo and Kibet near the finishing line, and both men were disqualified. I don't know if you read this last year. Some of you got it. It made the news here in Kenya. Saolo um, entered this race to win the first place prize of 30,000 US dollars to help him stay in the US with his wife and children. Pence, who is a cross-country coach at the University of Illinois, Springfield, finished the race in 2 hours, 15 seconds, and 15 minutes and 6 seconds, becoming the first U.S. runner to win this event since 2001. And his time was the third fastest in the race's history. This was the first race for Pence since competing in the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials in early 2020, where he registered, wait for it, a DNF, did not finish. It was obvious where to go. It was obvious where to go out there. I'm not sure what went on, said Pence to the Quad City Times. That is the, that local newspaper there. I was around 20 seconds, actually, he was more than three minutes back and saw it happening, but I'm not going to shout anything. It's not my job. This is the second large-scale event in the last two weeks to disqualify the leader of the race due to an organizational mistake. The winner of the Bristol Half Marathon was disqualified after he won by taking a wrong turn. So guys, back to what I was saying about fruit. However much we want to argue about fairness and justice of this race for these two elite Kenyan runners, they were not marathon champions. So I want to go back and suggest to you that there is a progression. You need to follow the rules. You need to go that way to finish the race. There is a progression. You have to be in the place of always being hearing the word of God understanding it 
and fruit will be produced. And the substance and the quality of that fruit comes in different measures. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times. There are no shortcuts, guys. There are no shortcuts to bearing fruit. It is possible to hear the word and to produce fruit, yes. Indeed, you could skip one stage of this progression. Like these marathoners, they skipped some stage and were disqualified. I'm not sure if you skip word, hearing, understanding, and the fruit progression that you would produce a bountiful harvest of 160 or 30 times that Jesus suggests. Producing work, producing fruit rather, is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit working through you at these different progressive stages, transforming you into the likeness of Jesus the Christ. An irritated John the Baptist chastised the religious elite of his day and called them out for not being fruitful. In fact, they were individuals who knew the scriptures, but that they were not producing the right quality of fruit. They were pro the proverbial perennial shortcut runners. John chastised them in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, quoting Matthew, quoting, quoting them, he said, Produce fruit. In keeping with repentance. Paul goes a step further and describes it and calls it the fruit of the spirit. The religious leaders of John and Paul's time were deficient in them. I actually sense that that is true. And let me step on your toes again. The way your children respond to scripture is showing how much fruit we are producing. So the challenge to you is internalize what you're learning and let us teach them to our children. Daily having devotions and reading the word of God with them. What you have understood, what you have said, this is the Bible and this is what the Bible is showing me that I look. And dealing with those demons, dealing with those flaws, submitting yourself to the authority of the word of God and allowing God to work at it day in, day out, transforming you into the likeness of his son, Jesus the Christ. So I'm finishing with some cryptic message here for you. So this is what the seed should produce. Work with me. An apple seed produces an Let me hear you. An apple seed produces an? Is it an apple or an apple tree? An apple seed produces an apple tree. And an apple tree produces apple fruits. Okay, for those of you who haven't caught this, eh, let me try it. A mango is much more, mango is more closer to us, eh? A mango tree, a mango seed produces a? And a mango tree produces a? Mango fruit. Sindio? Okay. So, the word of God, which is the seed, produces a?
Bas, umeanguka hiyo mtihani. A mango tree. <laughs> here, hear me out this, okay? And this and then I'm done. We can go home after this. So you're not leaving here until you answer this question. No, I'm just kidding. The word of God or the seed produces a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is the tree. Okay? The word seed produces a disciple of Jesus Christ. And a disciple of Jesus Christ produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such there is no law. Deuces. I'm out. Father God, may this word produce good fruit. Fruit that will last indeed. That we would be the people, Father God, who are truly, truly disciples of Jesus Christ, bearing fruit, much fruit, fruit that will last. That indeed we won't be lacking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hallelujah! And thank you for your word. Amen and amen. Glory to God. I think I'm done with the sermon for today. Sorry we went over Kidogo. We had to uh, accommodate our children telling us Happy Father's Day. Uh, but again, please let others know that in NCLA or somewhere here in Langata, there are people who love the word of God, who love one another, and who are trying to figure out what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ in community together. Let's all be upstanding. Receive God's blessing today as you go. Father God, I thank you for your people today. And as they walk out of here, may they go out encouraged. Bless the work of their hands. Continue ordering their steps. For it is your word that says, the steps of a righteous person are ordered by you. And I pray as they walk in step with you, they will keep in step with you, bringing glory to you. And Father God, from their lips, praising you from their hearts, worshiping you. Bless them, their families, and those who are associated them with them this week. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray all these things. Amen.